0: In the beginning, it was love, author of everything, imagining you and me, spirit breathing into us, the story of who we are, beloved of God, if we ever once forget, it's written in the stars, tattooed on.
1: Good morning church Good morning. memorial day what a beautiful thing to remember to remember all those who have uh, given their lives for our freedom a lot of times we don't realize well why are we fighting there if we should be protecting here well when we're fighting there we're we're, we're helping for for, for that, that problem not to come over here. <laughs> so we're, we're getting the problem, dealing with the problem from the root. So many people have given their lives, and this morning, uh, it's been a tough week for many of us um, with what happened in Uvalde. Today we're going to talk about selfishness. When you think about what happened this week, how can you not think about this being something that has happened as a result of selfishness? The younger the generations the more selfish we're becoming. We have gone from modern times when uh, it used to be, you know, family and friends and other people's oriented, right? Modern times. Postmodern times is very much, um, it's me. I care about me. And we have believed a lie. So I want us today just to pray, specifically right now, we're going to pray for the people in Uvalde, 19, 19 little kids, 19 children, who are not home today. Two teachers that are not home with their families today. selfishness has captured the hearts of people so let's pray this morning for yuvaldi before we even begin our sermon this morning help me to pray let's bow our heads our father in heaven we as we saw the video right now and men sacrificing their lives and we see how people lose their lives. And, and the reasons we have fights and wars is because of our self, the selfishness in our hearts. We also saw something so evil this week that's been provoked by selfishness. It's the result of selfishness. We want to pray, Father, for those families who are not enjoined, The laughs, the cries, and the great and even the tough times with their kids today. I cannot even imagine, Lord, what their pain, the pain that they're going through. Father, help us to be a strong community of believers that we, can, that we can begin to, 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 to minister to our community, to love our community, so so and pray for our community, asking for your protection, Lord, on the children in this community, and in the United States and around the world. I pray, Father, that every day more and more we'll be conscious on teaching the younger generations to believe they're the best and, and, and pop, up, pop up their egos, but to believe that we have been put in this, on this earth to be a servants to others, to help others, to give of ourselves to others, because that is love. We pray, Father, that You will give peace that you will help these families in the process to get better. In your son's precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are in the fifth week on the series that we have titled Loved Us. This series has uh, has have as a a purpose to help us understand not just what love says, but what love does. It is important to know that the Bible, the Bible never defines love in terms of abstracts. The Bible never defined loves in attitudes, feelings, or ideologies. Uh, The Bible only describes love in terms of actions. Actions. Why? Why does the Bible describe love in terms of actions? Because love is not an abstract, love is not a feeling, love is not an attitude, love is a deed, it's an activity. So the Bible says that love is only love when it acts. Love is only love when it acts. So that's why love does. It's important for us to understand what love does. And that is what our text has been telling us in First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Uh, We find 15 action words. None of them are passive, but active words. In other words, those are words that it's encouraging us as believers to do things. They're active words that tell us what a person does when a person really says, I love. I don't say it just by words, but when I say I love, I act on it. The the first word we talk about in in, in this series was the love is patient. Love is patient in verse 4. Patience with people is a Greek word that teaches an action that emphasizes the fact that we are talking here about relationships. You act. In your relationships, you act with patience. To say that you are patient, it means that you are slow to become angry with people. You are slow to become frustrated when dealing with uh, trouble, you know, with some troubled people. Uh, Difficult people. You are patient with them. You are long-tempered. You are sure you are a long fuse, not a short fuse. Your long term temper uh, would be another old, uh, another old word or an old phrase that describes this. But patience with people which embraces forgiveness, tolerance, understanding, empathy. The Corinthian church, as we saw it before, uh, weren't, weren't very patient people. They were even taking each other to court. And the Apostle Paul has to tell them, has to rebuke them, and tell them, you know, what are you guys doing? Are you taking each other to the non-believers so they can judge between you guys? Because they were very patient with each other. The, the second word that Pastor Roy, uh, great job last week in explaining this, uh, and Pastor Roy talked about, uh, it was love, love is kind. So patient takes it, uh, and, and kindness gives And the second, uh, love is kind to people, and the word actually means useful. You know, when you are kind, you are useful to other people. You find ways to be useful. Kindness is not something just superficial. Kindness, it's finding ways uh, to render useful service to someone else. Not to yourself, but to someone else. Maybe it's comfort, maybe it's encouragement, maybe it's knowledge, maybe it's wisdom, maybe it's companionship. Even when those who have wronged you, or those who are distanced from you, or critical of you, love is useful even to those people. It finds ways to minister to people no matter who they are. But that is really love. And in the world today, we claim to have love. We claim to love each other, but we don't do these things. We don't. So, In other words, we say we love with our words, but not with our actions. We're supposed to be kind with one another. Today we're going to talk about selfishness. Isn't that something we all wrestle with? Last time when I talked about patience... I'm like, you know, this might be the the, the harder one. But no, when it comes to selfishness, it's even, I don't know, it's the same or it's even better or worse. (laughs) How much damage has selfishness done to the world? How much damage? You know, every time there is a war, if you look for the root of that problem with that war, it's because of selfishness. That's what the Bible says. Somebody wants to get things their way. When you find a family that's becoming that's being that's becoming apart, that's being destroyed, and you look and you look to the you look deep down to the root of that problem, the root of that problem is at the end of the day it's selfishness, and somebody wants to get things their way, and so love is not selfish, love is selfless. In First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says the love is not self seeking. So love is selfless. I was reading in a column of psychology today from February 26, 2020, David Bruce, recent piece, titled The Nuclear Family was a mistake. He makes the case that our society's chip from self sacrifice to self-fulfillment is at the root of the collapse of the modern nuclear family. The shift of selfish self-sacrifice to self-fulfillment. Before it used to be, everybody was focused on self-sacrificing. But now everything is about self-fulfillment. What can I get? How can I get there? How can I get to the top? I don't care how many people I got to step on. I just got to get to the top. I got to become one more more of those influencers. Well-known people. It's so easy because I got to get so many followers in 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 my social media, right? And the more followers I have, the better I feel. And the more my ego pops up. So he makes the he makes the point he makes the case that our society's shift from self-sacrifice to self-fulfillment is at the root of the collapse of the modern nuclear family. As he writes, he says people with an individualistic mind, with an individualistic mindset, t- tend to be less willing to sacrifice self for the sake of the family. Isn't that sad? Because they're individualistic. And the result, the result is more family disruption because of not being willing. Selfishness has destroyed families. Selfishness has destroyed friendships, relationships, all kinds of relationships. Because we have gone from self-sacrifice to self-fulfillment. A recent study published in Psychology Science suggested that people across the globe are becoming more individualistic over time more individualistic individualism as opposed of collectivism you know it, it, it was it used to be in the modern more modern era it was collectivism let's be a community let's work together let's do this together let's work with one purpose all together but the postmodern is i mean uh, you know i live for me i live for myself so we live in an individualistic society now and dates. very selfish Very self-reliant, self-centered. People are becoming so self-centered. And self-centeredness, let me tell you this in case you didn't know. Self-centeredness has contributed to the rise of narcissism narcissism is a thing that I mean we get that every day everywhere no matter if you open Facebook a lot of narcissism going on there if you open uh, you open Instagram narcissism there if you open whatever you open whatever platform you open you see so many narcissist people and those are the influencers that are influencing our younger generations and our younger people they want to be like that narcissism all over the place where narcissistic role models our leaders, influencers, might be playing a big part in the rise of self-centeredness in our younger generations. People, for the most part, have become so wrapped up in their own desires that they either don't notice or do not care about the needs of others. I heard people say, don't know, don't care. Oh, you should care we should care for one another we should care for our families we should care for our kids and because a lot of people don't care the result is, is what we see that's been going on lately L- let me give you a good example remember when the pandemic began you remember what people were buying the most who remembers everybody said it at the same time right toilet paper. Now, what does toilet paper have to do with the virus? But I see in the beginning, I would see people walk out with big rolls of toilet paper. So one day I'm like, you know, what's going on? Good thing is my son and I. Since it's just the two of us, we had enough toilet paper that we didn't have to worry for the first uh, three, four weeks. We didn't have to worry about that. But after three, four weeks, I go to Costco, and I'm like, what time do I have to get here to get toilet paper? And the guys would say, well, you got to be here when we open. And by the time I would get there, and it was not even open yet, the lines were long all the way to the back. And I'm like, by the time I got inside, there was no more toilet paper. And so people were like, I don't care. I don't care how you you uh, you know what you do about toilet paper, but I have enough toilet paper. And then eventually they had to limit that to one per person, right? But the selfishness is like I don't care what everybody does. Don't know, don't care. Well, we as believers, we should know, we should care, because love cares. Love is not selfish. And whenever you focus on yourself. Whenever you only think about yourself and what benefits you, it doesn't matter if other people get hurt in the process, even if you don't think. Sometimes we don't even stop to think, how is my decision right now going to affect other people? And you're being selfish. You're not being loving. Because every time God wants us, that every time we make a decision, every time we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do something in our lives, we have to stop and think: How is this gonna affect others? Contrary to our society, that is making selfish more obvious. This is what society is doing. Selfishness is not new. The church in Corinth claimed to be a loving church. And as we have seen in the past weeks, that was not true of them. They were not a loving church. They were not a loving church. The Corinthian church were a very unloving congregation. If anything marked this church was a strife, chaos, conflict, harming one another more than loving one another. So then the Apostle Paul has to take the time to replace all that with love. And he jumps into chapter 13 to make sure that he wants to teach them this is really what love is. It's not what you've been saying love is, but this is what love is. And then he began with patience, kindness. And he knew that there were a very selfish community of believers in their actions. And so he tells them love is not self-seeking. Other versions in the Bible says, love doesn't insist on its own way. You want to know exactly, you want want a simple definition of selfishness? That is a simple definition of selfishness, and it's biblical. Love does not insist on its own way. So when you love somebody, you don't have to come and insist and insist and insist. The things have to be done your way. Now, Now, understand this, you can always make a request. Making a request for something is not being selfish. But when you insist, and if things don't happen the way you want, and the way you say, and then you get mad, and you start fighting about that, now you're becoming selfish. But love does not insist on its own way. It doesn't demand. No, I have my rights. I mentioned that the other day. And I got some feedback. But I'll I'll talk a little more about that, because I don't really... I don't mind getting feedback. But love doesn't seek its own. It is not self-seeking. True love is always unselfish. That's essential what really love is, what it is. Selfishness lies at the door... As a matter of fact, selfishness lies at the root of lovelessness. One commentator said, Cure selfishness and you will plan... A garden of Eden. Cure selfishness. That's all we need. Cure selfishness, and you will, you, will you, you plant a garden of Eden. This is love. Love is you're selfless. That's such a beautiful, beautiful virtue. To be, to be completely indifferent to yourself. Oh no, how can I? Well, when you are completely indifferent to yourself, but focus on the benefit and the help of others isn't that what Jesus did isn't that what he did that being in the form of God being God himself he became your servant who are we that we think, we think we're think we better than Jesus there's no way there's no way and if Jesus didn't, didn't clean he didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't think you know I'm God I'm not going to do that for these guys as it is, they're ungrateful. No, Jesus became a servant to the point of dying at, in the cross. Love is deep. Never dwells on what life owes it. It is selfless. This is such a beautiful thing. So, so let's understand what selfishness is. How, how it affects you and how it affects others. And what should we do about selfishness as believers? What exactly, what exactly is selfishness? Here's the definitions of selfishness. One of the definitions is that selfishness is being concerned excessively or exclusively for oneself or one's own advantage. Your own pleasure, your own welfare, regardless of others. I don't care about others, I care about my advantage, I care about my pleasure. I care about my welfare. And this happens in the very hearts of our homes. I care about my pleasure. I care about my welfare. I, care, I, I, I can care less for others. I want to feel good. I want to feel good. Being the center of attention. Have you ever met people that like to be the center of attention? It's because it's selfishness. So like I want the spotlight on me. I want people to know that I'm good. I want people to know that I can do it, that I know. And we become very selfish. But we have, we have fed that to our generations after us too. And somebody fed it to us. Oh, you are good. You are the best. You don't let anybody, you don't let anybody push around. you around. And of course, there is a healthy thing about that. But you have to know how to teach kids, how to teach younger generations how to teach others about that without being selfish. Selfishness is seeking your own good without caring for the good of others. What does the Bible say about this? In First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, in the same book where Paul's talking about love is not selfish, uh, Paul tells the Corinthian church, "We should stop looking out for our own interest." And instead, focus on the people living and breathing around us. That is what we need to do, because selfishness is looking for your own interests instead of focusing on other people. But the Apostle Paul says, instead of focusing on yourself, you should focus on helping other people that are living and breathing around you. Make sure you become a servant to them. In other words, that's what Paul is telling them. I like what Timothy says. Because what Timothy says, in Second in Timothy chapter 3, verse two 1 and 2, he, he, he says this, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy telling him, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, let me ask you one thing. Do you believe we are living in difficult times? We are definitely living in difficult times. And I don't think the world has seen this more and more the way we see it now. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of self. All you, again, all you have to do is open social media and you see how men are lovers of self. Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. It, it, have, have, you, have you noticed That in, in being lovers of self How disobedience kids have become Man, I remember before In the old days I remember if I would go through Where two people were having a conversation right? And as two people were having a conversation You were going to get through You were supposed to say what Excuse me Do you get that nowadays If somebody opens the door We used to say Thank you. A lot, of, a lot of the younger generation, most of them, don't know how to say excuse me, don't know how to say thank you, don't know how to respect. And, and then it used to be, it used to be, it used to be that dad, mom and dad were able to go to the room. Now it's like, and then, you know, the rooms, the doors were usually open because you had green light to go in there. You're the parent. This is my house. I'm going to come into your room and check your stuff anytime I want to. And we turn a lot better than kids nowadays. But now it's like, not before you come into my room. By the way, put a lock in my door. They're like, why are you invading my, my privacy? What privacy? That's what my, my parents would say back then, right? But, but it's becoming so lovers of self. So disobedient to parents. In the book of Judges, also the people of Israel, this is nothing new. It's just becoming more and more and more obvious as time goes by. In the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, it says that in those days there, were, there was no king in Israel. And check this out. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You know what that means? What that means is that every time there was no judge in the in in, 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 in the in the people in, in, among the people of Israel, they would do whatever they want, and everything will become a mess, and they would have a very, very hard time. Things were it was completely chaos, it was chaotic, and so they were doing whatever they thought it was right in their own eyes. That is, they were being selfish. They were doing whatever they wanted, they didn't care about the others until God will raise a judge, and the judge will come in and the judge will say, "You know what this thing's got to change," and he will straight up their act. but after a while, the judge will die, then they will be by themselves again, and they would again do the same thing. so by nature, if they didn't have somebody to guide them, they were being selfish over and over and over. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Does that sound familiar? Everyone wants to do what's right in their eyes. Now it's not what God says. It's not what Jesus said. It's not what Scripture says. It's what I think. It's what I. It, it's my opinion. And everyone wants to do what's right before their eyes, and they don't even. And, and, and you know, they don't even listen to leadership. They don't even listen to, to, you know, they don't follow instructions. The more we study selfishness, the more, more clear it is that it's a quality. It's actually a quality of a simple quality. With selfishness comes a sense of entitlement. And so let me talk a little bit for a minute about entitlement. Why do we, why do we say all the time, how do we show entitlement? I have my rights. I I, I know a lot of you guys are not going to like what I'm going to say. Some of you guys might like it. But my rights not filtered the right way. Just allowed for some little kid to go and buy an assault a rifle and kill 19 little kids. My rights. Really? What about the rights of those 19 kids? What about that? Did we think about their rights? Or did we put a, an assault weapon on the kid, on the, in another kid's hands just because he turned 18 and the same day he turned 18, he went and bought an assault weapon and killed 19 little Little ones, my rights. We feel so entitled. I'm not against that. I'm not against Second Amendment. I'm not against that. I'm not against the fact that we should we should be will we should be able to buy something and protect ourselves. I'm not against that. But I'm against the fact that because we keep on saying it's my rights, it's my rights, it's my rights, we don't fix that problem. And then my rights allow for other dummies to come and do whatever they want and destroy people's lives. That is selfishness. If that is not selfishness, then what it is and I hope many pastors are saying the same thing from their pulpits today. Yeah, you have the rights. I have the rights to have a weapon if I want to, and I'm not trying to get political i'm trying to I, I'm trying to have. Empathy. Understanding to those parents who lost their kids. I cannot even imagine if I lose the only son I have. I cannot even... I don't even want to think about it. But it's my rights. What about those kids? What about their families? We feel so entitled. And we who are born depraved sinners... Are entitled to what? Uh, Do you agree we're born depraved sinners? You know what you're entitled to? You know what I'm entitled to? Nothing. Except the wrath of God. That's what the Bible says. I'm entitled to the wrath of God. I am... The the, the, the wages of sin is... Death. I'm entitled to the wrath of God. And we have and our you know we, we because of god's mercy, all we have all we are is just because of god's mercy and grace we 're not entitled to nothing we are privileged to be where we are to be to to, to have what we have, but if my rights allow for somebody to go and kill others, then my rights, there's something wrong with my rights. There's something wrong with that. Striving for your own self instead of the needs of others, very wicked in God's eyes. Very wicked in God's eyes. It is the breathing ground for all sorts of sins. At the heart of selfishness, it's an absence of agape love for others. It doesn't take any source of self-control to be selfish. Rather, we as Christians live lives that are to be in complete control of the Holy Spirit. John Piper. I like it the way John Piper says it. John Piper says, Selfishness seeks its own private happiness at the expense of others. You know, I don't care what others go through as long as I'm happy. Now, I care for me. Being happy. Love seeks its happiness in the happiness of the beloved. That is what love does. It will even suffer and die for the beloved in order that its joy may be in full in the life and the purity of the beloved. So in other words, it always focuses on the other person. Do you want to test your selfishness? It's simple. Simple and easy to tell Test how selfish you are. Go and be part of a group and take a picture. When you take a picture in a group, what is the first thing you look for? You can say it. It's okay. You, you You know what it is. You look for yourself. If the picture, if you look good in that picture, oh, the picture looks great. You don't care how the others look. You just look at yourself, oh, I come out good in that picture. Man, come on. But if you look bad, hey, can we take it again? Can we take it again? I didn't like, it's because that's not my good side. And then you turn and you turn the other way, right? But don't erase the first one in case the other one comes out worse. You know, it, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. So that is what selfishness is. How, how, how are we affected by selfishness? It destroys families. Selfishness destroys families. Remember Cain and Abel? Cain was so selfish that because he didn't get his own way, he committed the first murder. He killed his own brother because of selfishness. Pastor Roy and the man, the Iron Man, have been talking about this. And if you're not there in the Iron Man, I encourage you. If you can be there, I encourage you to be there. They're doing such an amazing study on the book of Joshua. But in the book of Joshua, they were talking about Achan last, in the last two weeks. Uh, talk about Achan. And the people of Israel have gone to war and the lord told them in joshua chapter 6 verse 18 not to take anything from the anything that was devoted the devoted things to be destroyed don't take any of that with you and the gold and the silver will be for the lord but everything else has to including people they all have to die so they were victorious in, in, in the bottle. In verse 21, uh, they destroyed the city. The people, as God had instructed them, they did, they did all that. The majority of them were obedient to the Lord. But later on, we find out that one man was not obedient to God's command. You know why he wasn't obedient? Because of selfishness. Achan was his name. Or Achan, however you want to say it. Achan, Achan is the same thing but he was selfish and thought about himself and how some of those goods will benefit him and that angered the Lord so because of that sin they, they went to the next, to the next bottle and, and in the next bottle they, they lost and, and Joshua was hurt and he came up to the Lord and questioned the Lord and said, Lord did, did, why did you allow this to happen? We just won the last one, and now we are in trouble, and we lost this one. We lost some good men. And then the Lord said, you know what? I know why I allowed that to happen. Is because somebody was selfish. Somebody sinned. In the camp, somebody, did, somebody sinned. And so, Achan was just thinking about how... He wasn't thinking, actually, about how his sin of selfishness was going to affect other people. This is how selfishness affects other people. When we are selfish, it doesn't just affect me, it affects others too. And when Joshua confronts Achan in chapter 7, verse 19, uh, we, we have it all here on the screen actually. Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor Him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. In other words, I was selfish. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighed 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with silver underneath. The Lord had told them, do not take a single thing. But he didn't think about the others. He didn't think, you know what, if I do this, it's going to affect others. So, some warriors already had died for this. So, Joshua sent some men to make a search. They ran, in, they ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, with the silver buried, uh, buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. Then they lay them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Notice, check, check verse 24. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep goats 10 and everything he had including his servants everything he had and they brought them to the valley of Achor then Joshua said to Achan why have you brought trouble on us why why were you selfish why did you not think about the others you know you would think it, it was right for Achan to die it's like when we're selfish. We are guilty of being selfish. But it wasn't just... He, he, he wasn't the only one who was going to be affected by this. No, check this out. The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They pile a great heap of stones over Achan which remains to this day That is why the place has been called The valley of trouble Ever since So the Lord was no longer angry Selfishness angers the Lord So when you are being selfish God is not happy with that action God is not happy with that action or attitude But Do we think How selfishness is going to affect my kids How selfishness is going to affect your wife, your husband, co-workers, your neighbor. Do, do we even think about that? Romans chapter 2 verse a, Paul says, those who love only themselves, in other words, those who are selfish, who love only themselves, and do not obey the truth, but do what is wrong, will be punished by God. Selfishness has consequences. Selfishness is not just going to be done away with. That's why John Piper, when we quote, when we read the quote of John Piper, he he, again he says, selfishness seeks its own private happiness at the expense of others. Do you know how many times I have I have done counseling with couples? And it's always, it's, it's, I would tell you, 90-95% is either pride or selfishness. The problem in most marriages, the problem is pride or selfishness. But either, either or, they go hand to hand. You know why we fight? You know why we go to war, as I said it before in the beginning? Look at what James 4 says. James 4 says, what is the cause of wars and fighting among you? Why can't we get along? Remember that? Can we just get along? No! Because we're too selfish. That's the problem. That's the problem. Remember, well, we'll go to that next, but what is the cause of fighting among uh, wars and fighting among you? It is not in your desires, which are, which are at war in your bodies. You are burning with desire. Now now let me let me let me pause here for a minute. I didn't see what time I started, so you guys you know we have we have like two hours more. You are burning with desire, he says in verse two. And the word desire is the word epitsumel in the Greek. You know what this word is used for? It is selfishness, is an intense desire. The reason we fight, the reason we argue, is because the reason we don't get alone, the reason that we, you know, that we do the things that we do in a selfish way, it's an intense desire that we want to get things our way. And this word, epizumeo is a word that means somebody that, something that you long for, covet. It's a word that is used for sexual desire. You lust after something. So when you read that stuff, it set set your heart upon that. When you read this stuff, you, you, you realize that it's such a strong word that it encouraged people to have the same strong desire as when you desire somebody sexually. It's like, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. I don't care about their desires. It's, it's, it's a disgusting thing. You know, you are burning with desires and have not. You're dis- what you desire, your desire, so you put men to death. You are full of envy. And you are not able to get your desire, so you are fighting and making war. It's a deep desire. It's a desire. So Selfishness is in the center of our hearts. Just like love... It's a thing of the heart Selfishness is a desire Of the things That you have in your heart When we fight It's because We want to get things our way (coughs) You know If my husband doesn't give it my way I'll give him a hard time If my wife doesn't do things my way I'll give her a hard time That's why we fight with with one another Selfishness Or just ask after church Where do you want to go eat? And when the other person tells you, well, I don't know, you tell me. I'm not going to be selfish. Pastor Oscar said, don't be selfish. No, 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 honey, you tell me. And then the other one, well, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go get some tacos. No. <laughs> like, talking about being selfish, right? Selfishness affects your family. Did Achan even think that his selfishness was going to was going to end up killing his whole family. He did it. It's a lot of times we just don't stop to think about. We just want what we want. So he saw that robe. He wanted what he wanted. He didn't care about anybody else or anything else. Selfiness, it affects your friendships. It's a problem of the heart. Selfishness is seeking your own good without caring for the good of others. Selfishness will destroy your family and all relationships. How does God want me to show love to others without being selfish? By being selfless. All the contrary to selfishness. By being selfless is when you really show love to others. Selfishness and selfness... Are two opposites. And these are two opposites that we should be aware of. When we are selfish, we are focusing all of our attention ultimately on ourselves. When we are selfless, selfless, we are focusing all of our hearts on others. Being selfless is when you care for others before your own desires. Yes, that's what the Bible says. It's not what the world says today, but it is what the Bible says. Philippians 2, verse 20 and 21, I have no one else like Timothy. Paul is talking about how selfless Timothy was, who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves. All the the others are selfish, but he is selfless. And do not, uh, you know, they only care for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Timothy cared for others being selfless is when you understand how to have empathy have you been able to understand how to have empathy on others with others first corinthians 9:22 paul tells the corinthian church to the weak i became weak i became i was selfless by understanding their weakness So when you see somebody, when you have somebody in your own home, when you see somebody in the church, when you see somebody at work who are weak in some areas, do you try to understand that person before you judge that person? Because a lot of times we tend to say, I don't like this, I don't like that. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? And we care so much about our opinion that we don't care to learn to understand why people are struggling with some issues in their lives. Being selfless is trying to understand and have empathy. So Paul says, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I may save some. Being selfless is when you don't live for yourself, but you live to please God. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And He died for all so that we... So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So you're not supposed to live anymore for yourself. You're supposed to live for him who gave his life for you. That's completely against what the world teaches today, what the world has said in our minds. We have been, we have been brainwashed. There's no doubt about it. Being selfless is when you see others as better than yourself. What? See others better than myself. Hold on, pastor. There's something wrong with what you're saying right now. Well, that's what the Bible says. Isn't that what Jesus did? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind... Check this out. Selfishness is a thing... That starts right here. It's what you think of yourself. Loneliness, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Did you know the Bible said that? I'm sure you did. But that's not what our culture dictates today. Let each of you look out, not only for your own interests, but also for the interest of others. Can you imagine if in every home we had that attitude? I'm going to see the other. I'm going to see my son as better than myself. And my son will have the same attitude towards me. What about you and your wife? If you you see your wife as better than yourself, you're going to be a servant to your wife. And your wife will have the same attitude towards you and you and she will be a servant to you. Can you imagine what kind of homes we will have nowadays? When we serve one another, when we care for one another, when we look for the best interest of the other before ourselves, before our own interest. And and, and, and so this is too hard to do. Is it? It is. No, it's not easy. How can we do it? Only Christ, only in Christ, the only way you can stop being selfish is when you start by giving your life to Christ. That is the beginning of the process. It doesn't end over there. That is just the beginning of the process. But if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you will never accomplish this. I can promise that. But I can promise that if you give your life to Christ, that will be the beginning of becoming selfless you've got to start by giving your life to Christ why because he's the greatest example of selfishness or of selfless I'm sorry not being selfish first give your life to Christ and in the in the next verses of philippians and I, I'll finish with this in the next verses of philippians chapter 2 when he goes to verse 5 because in verse uh, let me let, let me yeah in verse 5 it goes in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as as Christ Jesus where does it begin how can you become selfless it begins right here you have to let God transform your way of thinking your way of thinking cannot be I'm first and I'm better and it doesn't matter what others want this is what I want so you have to change that mentality you have to change that mentality, which is the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How, how, did, that, how did that happen? Who, being in the very nature of God, He was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. He could have, but He decided not to. So you, for, for, for you to change, you've got to change your way of thinking. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Selfless is becoming a servant to others. Being selfish is wanting others to be the servant of you. What are we going to do with that? My rights... I get home and you tell, you get home and you tell your wife, you get home and you tell your husband my rights, and you'll end up with nobody at home. (laughs) God wants us to start thinking about how can we help others? How can we serve others? And the greatest example of that Is our Lord Jesus Christ He is our example He is the one we should look up to To be selfless people To the point Of serving others And loving others With our actions With our selfless actions And not selfishness I hope that you keep on praying for these people in Uvalde. I hope that you keep on praying for each other to become servants. And if you're not serving in your home if you're not serving in the church always come and look for one of the pastors in the church and ask them, Pastor how can I serve because I'm, I'm always coming you know you know. one interesting thing is I don't have a bulletin with me. Oh, thank you Janine. But a lot of times people come to church and they go, let's see, let's see what they got in the bulletin and they look at the bulletin like if the bulletin is, is a menu from the restaurant. How can this church serve me? Well, let me ask you one thing. It's not what the church can do for you, right? What, how, how does the saying go? It's what you can do for your church. is by serving God. It's by serving others that you serve God. Thank you, Janine. Don't look at the bulletin as a menu. Look at the bulletin to see how can I serve others? How can I stop being selfish? Stop being selfish and stop looking at the wrong things. You know, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And start looking at what can I add? How can I add value to this community? How can I add value to my family? Stop being selfish or you're going to destroy yourself and your own family. And even the church. Father in Heaven, we thank You so much for this morning, Lord. Thank You, Lord, for allowing us to see Your Word, to look at Scripture, and to be challenged with the truth that You have given us. Thank You, Lord, for the Scripture was not only for the old times, but it's also for today. And as we see that Society is teaching us to worry about ourselves to be self-centered self-fulfillment you keep on teaching us to care for the benefit and the welfare of others we pray Father that if there is someone here in, in the midst that has not given their life to Jesus Christ that that will be their first step of being selfless Not rely on one's self. But in your your sacrifice in the cross. Father, if there's anybody here who wants to stop being selfish and they want to start by giving their lives to you, I pray, Lord, that you will guide their hearts to talk to us so that we can pray for them and guide them You were, you, you were selfless and give your life for us who didn't deserve it you still became our servant even to the death of the cross I pray Father that we will realize that in our precious the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen.
0: you call us to live, apart from the power of your indwelling spirit. And so, Lord, make it the prayer of our hearts. Lord, make me a servant. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Help me to lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart ever be, make me a servant. Lord, make that the prayer of our life this week. As we seek to live out the life that you have placed within us. That you might live your life through us. Before a world that keeps to know Jesus. Help us to do that. Is our prayer together in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.